Amen. Thank you, Q and Nick. Um, man, what a wonderful way to begin our time in this week. Uh, good morning and welcome, everyone. Uh, this week in chapel um, is our theme of Holy Week. And while this is a, an annual theme, not only for the church calendar and here in chapel, it's a week like any other week where we want to intentionally um, enter in and engage with the final moments of, of, of Christ's life here on earth leading up to the cross and pre preparation for Easter, and, and that his death and resurrection is not just a weekly focus, it's a daily one. So this week, similar to last week, the week of prayer and service is to help us foster a lifestyle of prayer and service. Uh, this week is to help us foster a lifestyle of knowing how Jesus' death and resurrection um, uh, paves the pathway for us for continued growth and transformation. And so uh, this week, we're really honored and excited to have uh, Pastor Dave Johnson with us again, both today and tomorrow, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. On Wednesday, uh, we have, uh, in partnership with our theater department, um, a series of passion monologues to really help us enter in in an imaginative and a creative way. Uh, to those moments and those scenes around the cross. And then on Thursday, uh, we'll have another uh, experiential prayer chapel that'll be themed around the seven last words of Jesus and different stations for us to float and go in and through and, and in and out of um, as we continue to reflect and really soak and settle in uh, the amazing truths that, that this week ha has given birth to. And then uh, Friday is Good Friday, so there's no class or chapel. And then the following Monday, Easter Monday, no class or chapel. So it's a short week both this week. So amen for that, right? Uh, so that's good news. Um, but let me introduce again uh, Pastor Dave Johnson, who uh, pastored the church The Open Door in Maple Grove for 38 years. And uh, recently just stepped away from that role this past November. Some of you may remember him. He was here back in September on our week the, uh, on the theme of the kingdom of God. And we're uh, delighted to have him back uh, here for today and tomorrow. And uh, since transitioning from the lead pastor role at Open Door, uh, both uh, Dave and his wife Bonnie have been closely tethered and still connected to uh, the, the, the congregation and still remaining members of it and serving and, uh, and ministering in, in various ways. And so um, Dave uh, speaks more words in a minute than probably most others. And so really uh, get your seatbelts on, uh, get your Bibles open, uh, gear, and and really lean in and gear up, because um, it's going to be a blast of some grace and truth. So really excited to have Pastor Dave back. Please give him a warm Northwestern welcome as he comes to the stage. And uh, let's extend a hand out towards Dave and a hand up as we pray uh, for him and for our own hearts. Thanks. Well, Father, I pray that as we just sang, that your praise would ever be on our lips. We know that that what comes through our lips is truly an expression of what's in our heart. And out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do some heart work in us this morning. I pray that you would bring a purity and a focus, that you would fan into flame a fresh passion over the person of the work of Jesus Christ. And thank you for bringing your servant, Dave, here. Um, I pray that you would anoint him, fill him now with your spirit that even as he preaches what perhaps might be for many of us a familiar text that your Holy Spirit would confront our familiarity and bring a fresh perspective as we behold the beauty of Christ and that our hearts would be fertile soil to take your living and abiding word and that it would take root and produce fruit that would last for your glory. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
Thanks, Justin. God bless you. Yep. Awkward hug. That's what that was. Anyway, <laughs> get off. <laughs> I'm delighted to be here. Um, honest, honestly, this week in particular, uh, that is known by all of us as Holy Week, beginning as it did yesterday with Palm Sunday and what's known as the triumphal entry of Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 21 into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, having told his disciples back in Mark chapter 8 that I must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, including a crucifixion. He's now making his entrance into that very place, into Jerusalem now. So it's a no-turning-back kind of event. Get a, get a picture of that in your mind as he's coming into the city. And then this event will catapult him into this final week of his earthly life and the culminating events that I think we're pretty familiar with that will ultimately bring him to the cross and then his resurrection but this Holy Week thing actually all began with what looked like a party in Matthew 21. Indeed, it looked like a coronation where this crowd of people uh, would make him king as he rode into the city that day. And all of them were singing, Hosanna to the son of David. Matthew 21, verse 9. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest, and it couldn't have been more clear to everyone who was in that crowd that day, and they couldn't have been more sure that they were right about who they thought he was and what they thought he would do. And what they thought he would do, obviously, was what they wanted him to do. And what they wanted him to do was to make everything right um, politically, economically, religiously, economically, uh, socially. Uh, to make things right. In my family, in my life, in my career, in my school experience, he'll make things right, because that's who he is, and that's what he does, and that's why we're for him. And so they sang, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the louder they shouted, the clearer it seemed to become that they were right about who they thought he was and what they thought he would do and what they thought he'd do is what they wanted him to do and what they wanted him to do was to make everything right just make things right and so they sang hosanna to the son of david hosanna simply means lord save us now save us now from rome from this from whatever it is that i don't like lord save us now because the shouting by the way the singing Hosanna, was behind that was this. They wanted him to know uh, that they believed in him. So they spread their garments on the road. You know this part of the story. In Mark chapter 11, and they cut palm branches from the trees, and they spread them out in front of him. And just so you know, that wasn't some random act, act of, of excitement, exuberance, that this guy's coming into the city. But because deeply rooted in their history as a people, God's people, this, this, this pulling palm branches and laying them in a road in front of someone to walk on was a powerfully symbolic act marking the making of a king. Indeed, in um, 2, Corinthians, or 2 Kings rather, 9, when Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, weird names, Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, was coronated king, the, the, the people acknowledged their acceptance of him as king by taking off their garments and throwing them into the road in front of him as he came into his coronation event. And all of that, laying down their garments in the palm trees as 
well were signs of submission to him. We are the king, we are the people, we submit to you, and your right to rule us is acknowledged by us. That was a symbolic meaning of that. So everybody there in Jerusalem, when they were watching people do this, knew what it meant. And they knew what they were doing when they took off their garments and laid them in the road because what they were saying was clearly this. We believe that you are king and we'll submit to you as such as our king. Indeed, the whole multitude was going out before him, it says in Matthew 21. So this crowd is growing and growing and those who followed him were crying out with a louder and louder voice, Hosanna to the son of David. Son of David, save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it couldn't have been more clear. And they couldn't have been more sure. The bigger the crowd got and the louder they sang, the clearer it seemed to be that they were, right? About who he was and what he'd do and what they thought he'd do was what they wanted him to do. And what they wanted him to do was to make things right. Just make things Right, in my family, in our church, in our school, whatever. And so they sang, Lord, save us now. You're the one. Hosanna to the son of David. But underneath the surface, you guys, of this celebration, and behind the veil of praise that looked so good, something was stirring. Something was brewing. If, if, if you really can see the scene, something in this scene is off. A, a dissonant chord is being struck, but it's hard to hear it um, through the roar of the approving crowd, and it's hard to see it, but if you look closely, the clues really are there, that something's off in this picture. And some of them, the clues that something's off is coming from Jesus himself, who's entering the city on this, his coronation day, we declare you as king on the cult of a donkey. And that's part of the story we all know and accept. And, oh, yeah, that's what he did. But it wasn't just a donkey. It was the cult of a donkey. And I know about the prophecy in Zechariah 9 that Matthew 21, 5 says this fulfills that your king will come that way. Your king will come to you gentle and mounted on the cult of a donkey. But even with the fulfillment of prophecy, and now I go, well, that's really good because this is the way it was supposed to be. Um, the, the scene itself is just a little odd. Um, not very kingly at all. If he's a king, uh, riding in a, on the colt of a donkey does not inspire a lot of confidence. If I was wanting to believe that you're a king and you're going to kind of take care of all the problems I want you to take care of, uh, I think he'd ride in on a war horse or a chariot. He looks ridiculous. Sorry, might be a holy scene, but a grown man on a colt of donkey, a little baby donkey looks ridiculous. But still they sang... Hosanna, save us. Now you are the king. Your right to rule is what we're submitting to. And then at the end of the parade, there's something else as well that gives a clue. It's just the strangest thing because in Luke 19, 41, it says this, that after he had taken it all in, that is this triumphant entry, the crowd is singing and shouting to him. Um, having heard their praise. He then stops and looks at the city. He kind of has a view of the city and all the people milling about on this glorious day, and it says that he wept. He, what? He wept. So what's up with that? Um, because that just seems odd. It's 
a little off. It doesn't fit the picture of what Palm Sunday is supposed to be because when everybody else is singing and dancing and laughing for joy, Jesus is oddly weeping. It raises this question as he's looking at this scene that everybody's excited about. What does he see that they don't see? And what does he know that they don't know? Because it all looked so good, at least to us. Those of us who were in the proverbial crowd, it all seemed so clear. We were all so sure that we were right about who he was and what he'd do. And what we thought he'd do was to make everything right the way we wanted him to make things right, because that's who he is, and, and that's what he does, and that's why we sing Hosanna. He's going to make things right the way we want you to make them right in my family, in my school, in my church, blah, blah, blah. But underneath the surface of this Hosanna celebration, beneath the veil of praise, behind the veil of praise, something is stirring, something was brewing something is off a dissonant chord so what do we do with that dissonant chord with this sense of dis-ease that if you're really paying attention to the picture is beginning to grow well what i recommend with the dissonance because i've done this in the past is that we just ignore it <laughs> just don't pay any attention to the dis-ease in the scene um and just listen to the crowd I mean, that, that'll, that'll make the disease that you're feeling go away because the crowd is so sure. It's all so clear. Indeed, it's what I love about the crowd. Think about that. It's why I love being in a crowd. Because in the crowd, especially when we're all cheering about the same thing, being in a crowd, I'm sure. I know who the good guys are. I know what to think. I know how to feel. I know what to say. And what we're all saying today is Hosanna. I'm in on that. Ever been in a cheering crowd? A Palm Sunday crowd? A football game crowd? Of course you have. Sure you have. And it feels great. It really is amazing um, because we're all together and we all agree and we know for sure. In fact, even in a booing crowd, a hostile crowd, it's actually much the same because either way... You know for sure who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, who's the best and who's the bum, and we throw the bum out, and we know who the bum is when we're in the crowd and everybody's going boo or everybody's going yay. But I don't trust the crowd, and I don't think you do either, not really. Um, and I don't trust the crowd for some of the same reasons that I kind of love the crowd. It's this, because the crowd cheers and then it boos, but then it turns, and a dime it'll turn, from cheering to booing, and then back again. Exhibit A of that dynamic is Palm Sunday. Um, I remember the first time I saw this in the text, kind of ruined Palm Sunday for me, ever being an up-happy day. Um, because it is an example, is this very thing. Because there they were in Matthew 21, shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. He's the best! But five days later, some of the same people in that same crowd would be crying, crucify him, crucify him. He's a bum. And both times, it was clear, both times, they were sure that they were right about who they thought he was and what they thought he'd do and 
what they thought he'd do is what they wanted him to do, and what they wanted him to do was to make things right. He'll make things right. And so they sang, Hosanna. Lord, save us now. We'll crown you king. We'll sing your praise. We'll bow and serve. Just make things right the way we want them to be made right. And there's the rub in this whole story. Because when it was discovered, and it didn't take long, that he wasn't going to save them the way they wanted to be saved, they changed their tune. They changed their song from Hosanna to the son of David on Sunday to crucify him on Friday. And both times it was clear, and both times they were sure, and both times they were wrong about who he was. Neither time, on Palm Sunday nor on Good Friday, did they understand him, did they get him, even when they were cheering for him on Palm Sunday, they didn't understand at all um, what he was doing and who he was and why he came. And that's another reason I don't trust the crowd, even when I'm in the crowd, when I'm part of it, going along with it, even then, um, there's something in me, maybe in you, that hesitates a bit, like Maybe we don't know. We're all yelling yes or no. Maybe we're, we don't know for sure what's really going on in the world, in that person, in this scene. And now with all of that in mind, um, kind of just swirling around, I want you to come back with me to this original scene in Matthew 21. Picture again, Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, to the shouts of Hosanna, three things I want you to see, quick. A few things I want you to know about him as he's entering the city. The first is this, that he knew. Um, here's what he knew. He knew the cross was looming. That's why he was there. And he knew the crowd so full of praise today would turn, he knew. And so he wept, which is the second thing I want you to know, I want you to see in this scene, Luke 19, 41, it says he wept, but not for him Self, um, He wept, I think, for them, obviously. But I think he was weeping for us as well. You guys, I think he was weeping for us because he knew their blindness and ours as well. He knew their deafness and their lostness and he, even their fickleness and ours as well. He knew. And the kicker was this, that he went anyway to the cross, to um, these events. And when I put all that together that way, it makes me want to sing um, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because Jesus knew and Jesus wept, but Jesus went anyway. So blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest. Hosanna, Lord, save us now. Fast forwarded a few days from Palm Sunday to Friday. The soldiers had fun that day, that crucifixion day, and it lasted all day from the horrific beating to the bullying game of blind man's bluff in Matthew 26, 67, when they blindfolded Jesus, you know this part of the story, and punched him from different directions saying, tell us, Mr. Prophet Man, which one of us just hit you? Which one of us just spit on you? You don't know? Can't you tell? I thought you were a 
prophet, here's a question, into that particular scene. Have you ever been frustrated, um, maybe even angry, at the apparent restraint of God in the face of evil? Because with every lash of the whip, with every crunch of a fist against the face and flesh of Jesus, Jesus knew if we are to believe what he says, actually, in Matthew 26, verse 53, that 12 legions of angels awaited his command, then that one word from him, just a gesture of a hand, would grant permission to these angels to go, and his ordeal would be over, his oppressors would be subdued, but no such word was uttered, and no such move was made. The lion was a lamb that day. See, see, here's your Palm Sunday picture. As he entered into Jerusalem that day, on the colt of a donkey, to the shouts of Hosanna, we need to know, we need to know that he knew and that he wept and that he went anyway, and it kind of makes me want to sing Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, he spoke some things while dying there. The seven last words are what we call them. Behold your son, is one thing he said. Father, forgive them, is another thing he said. I thirst, is another thing he said. Ironic, really, that the one who provided gallons of wine at a wedding who spoke of living water that could quench the thirst of, of men and women eternally would die with a swollen tongue and the sour smell of vinegar wine in his beard. And I just think we need to know that he knew all of that was coming and he wept and he went anyway. And it just makes me want to sing, ha, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. One final scene. John 13, it was during the meal, the Passover meal, it was their final meal, again a scene you know quite well, that Jesus, knowing, there's that word again, knowing that his hour had come, it was time, the fun of Palm Sunday, whatever that was, is over, his hour had come to suffer and die, and knowing also this, according to the text, that Judas would betray him, that Peter would deny him, that all of them he was sitting at table with in this scene, would leave him and flee. Knowing all of that, he got up from the meal, took off his outer garment, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash their feet, and then drying them with the towel that he had just put around his waist, which made him look, if you were just kind of separate and watching this thing, it made him look like a servant, even uh, a slave, actually. He looked like a slave in this scene because he took off his clothes, he put on a towel, and he took off the towel to wipe their feet. It's what a servant might do, even a slave, certainly not a king. Because here's, here's the deal, you know it's true. Kings don't wear towels, they wear royal robes, and they don't bow down at people's feet, they're bowed down too, and they don't serve, they are served, and they don't do the work of a slave, they have slaves. That's what a king looks like, which may be why Peter, when Jesus was washing their feet, came 
to Peter. Peter objected. Remember that in verse 8. He said, no, never, Lord, shall you wash my feet. Because Peter, at least I think this is part of why. There's a number of reasons. But I think Peter was a lot more like us and maybe that Hosanna crowd than we think because he wanted a different kind of king than this kind right here. And a different kind of kingdom where, I mean, what I signed on for is saying, Peter, in some ways, is, is a kingdom where we would wear robes, not towels, where we are served, we don't serve, where we're bowed down to, we don't bow down, uh, where we're on top and where we win. And so he wept. But not for himself, he wept for them. But also for us, because sometimes uh, we're part of that crowd. We really are. I am, you are. And it's a disturbing thought. When, when we worship our version of him, you guys, that, that makes everything right, the way I want it to be right, that winks at my sin, that, that supports my particular cause, that promises me health and even wealth, and that will be on top. You can get what you want. You'll get the guy, you'll get the girl, you'll get the grades. When those things are happening, I promise you, I am full of praise. Hold on, the son of David, it worked it out for me. I'll crown you king, I'll bow and serve, just make things right. The way I think they need to be made right and make them easy, and when they're not, much like the crowd, uh, turn, uh, see you later. Um, and sometimes I quickly turn, and, well, I could never see myself in that crowd when they started saying, crucify him. I, I just can't picture that. Um, truth is, sometimes I choose Barabbas. Remember that scene? Give us Barabbas. What a weird connection. No, no, no. Who cares about Barabbas? I don't care about Barabbas. There's a Barabbas way. You know what the people wanted? I don't want this Jesus way that bows into sir. I want Barabbas's way that, that, that's big and strong and grabs it for himself, that powers over, that wins the game, not the way of the cross, not the way of the basin and the towel stooping to serve. That way might sound good in Sunday school, but it doesn't work in real life, in my life. And then you hear these words echoing, and it's, the words will pick up tomorrow. But if anyone would come after me, they must actually deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me into a different kind of life, not the Barabbas life, this Jesus life, which again we'll talk about tomorrow, but today I just want us to know that he knew about it all, about, about the ways we don't get it even today, about the crowd that didn't get it even with him, and the ways that we do get it. He knows that too, he knows about the Hosanna crowd that we all can be. And so he knew, and he wept, and he went anyway. And that just makes me want to sing, Hosanna, Lord, save us now, and save us now from all the ways we don't even know we need to be saved. Lord, save us all. And let that follow you through this holy weekend. Maybe haunt you just a little bit as we go towards Good Friday, and then 
the Easter event. Stand and be dismissed. I'm going to pray over you as you go. <laughs> I've got four minutes. Sit down. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, God bless you guys. In Jesus' name, go in the power of the Spirit. Be open to what God is speaking to you this week as we go with Jesus toward the cross. Go to class. See you later. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.